The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. It's time for a Tuesday PFTOT. Chris Sims back in the saddle for the extra 15 minutes or so that we do to address topics that we weren't able to get to during PFT Live or things that we'd like to expand upon a little bit more. And I want to start with a little business information here. This came from Daniel Kaplan, now of The Athletic. Royalties earned last year by players for group merchandising, jersey sales, etc. Tom Brady, once again, the top of the heap with an extra $2.35 million. And when you're making $15, $16 million a year playing football, that's not chump change. So $2.35 million for Brady, all, all from these jerseys that people keep buying. Chris, we talked about that recently. Your kid's gone through how many Tom Brady jerseys Bill. as he's outgrown them. Right. More and more Tom Brady jerseys. I, I have a feeling they're going to keep selling Tom Brady jerseys after he finally retires, if he ever does. I think you're right. I mean, well, he's hit that status. Or he, I mean, he's a, an American icon. I mean, he is. I mean, I'm not so sure I might not buy a Tom Brady jersey at some point. I mean, that's he's that, he's that special. And, yeah, I think grown men and kids are going to continue to buy it. And I get it. And it, it's cool. I mean, it's unbelievable the guys had the run that he's had. I mean, really, I mean, the career, the accomplishments – the second wind of the career, Mike, you know, I mean, a lot of New England people don't like me and because I said he took the air to the football. And I said back in 2012 and 2013, he wasn't one of the five best quarterbacks in the league. And, man, ever since 2014, he's just – he rechanged his career to, and he's rechanged his throwing motion. And he's just become a, a player that's closer to the guy we saw at the start of his career than the guy I saw in 2011, 12, and 13. And I'm just amazed by it. And uh, he's selfless and done so many good things, and he's just still playing at such a high level. You know, and another point that came from the list that Kaplan published, Dak Prescott, yeah. who is going to make $2.025 million this year, made $2 million in those royalty sales. And that is one of the tangible benefits of being the Cowboys quarterback. And that's one of the pressure points in those negotiations. The Cowboys want credit for that. Yeah. And Dak Prescott's agents are not going to care what team you are. All they care about is maximizing the football contract, and they're not going to give you credit for it's the Cowboys, and you can sell more jerseys, and you can get the Dan and Yogurt sponsorship, and you can get a broadcasting job when your career is over. No. We want the most money possible, but still, for Dak Prescott, it just shows he does make more money off the field than he currently makes Insane. on the field. That should change. Yeah. That should change at some point. Don't you think it should happen before the start of the season? I mean, I, I was looking at this the other day. Of all the quarterbacks out there, other than Jameis Winston and Marcus Mariota, that you know they have to prove that they're going to earn their second contract, there right. are two guys who are eligible for second contracts and haven't gotten them yet, Jared Goff and Dak Prescott. They both should have them, and especially Prescott. He's going into the last year of his contract, and 
the Cowboys are going to run the risk of a franchise tag dilemma if they don't get this done. But I feel like they've got a long way to go to get something done. Yeah, I, I do too. And yeah, he's a fourth round pick. I mean, he hasn't made big money yet in his career. So he's even, you know, more desperate to cash in than a guy like Jared Goff out with the Rams. And I would think, yes, I mean, as we've talked about a lot, if they dangled out, you know, a pretty good market value deal with some big guarantees and, and all that, I just, I would find it hard to believe that Dak Prescott wouldn't take the deal at this point. And in the Dallas Cowboys, I certainly, with the team you got right now, and if you're feeling good about Kellen Moore, an offensive coordinator, ooh, I'd be scared because I'd go, oh gosh, well, I mean, we're the type of team we might go 13-3 and three and be in the NFC playoffs, and then Dak Prescott's going to ask for $40 million a year. Yeah, right. So, you know, do it now, get him for the low, maybe. Same thing applies to receiver Amari Cooper, who's going into the last year of his contract, a contract for which the Cowboys traded last year with the Raiders. Not a whole lot of progress on an Amari Cooper deal. Meanwhile, Saints GM Mickey Loomis indicated recently that the team has had some conversations with receiver Michael Thomas after the Cam Jordan deal was done last week. The indications are that Michael Thomas will be the next one to get a contract. And this is a guy, Chris, who is a game changer. Yeah. He, he is intense. In, in the postseason, before their divisional round game against the Eagles, I, I, he, he was crazed. I mean, I have never seen a receiver that locked in and that focused and that determined before a game. This guy is one of the best receivers in the NFL, and he's going to deserve a contract that recognizes that. Yes, he is. I mean, uh, yeah, one of the best receivers in the NFL, huge, vital piece to what the Saints do on the offensive side of the ball. You know, he's a, the Saints, they believe in these big slot receivers, basically. You know, we saw, you know, Marquise Colston really kind of have this type of role before Michael Thomas got there. But yeah, they move Michael Thomas on the outside and we know he can catch jump balls and 50-50 balls and go routes and all that. But his real beauty is what he does on the inside of the field. He's almost like a one of the, those athletic pass-catching tight ends. You know, is he a receiver? Is he a big body? what he is he's fearless he's physical uh they love him as far as what he is as a student of the game and his love for the game and the work ethic so I would imagine that he's going to get a contract here soon that's going to put him in the conversation for the highest paid wide receiver in the NFL well eventually Jake Kumaro may be in that category as well he has received some high praise from Aaron Rodgers who is just looking for some receivers he can trust and Rodgers has raved about Kumaro's ability to do everything that he expects of him. And, and this is a delicate balance. You have to be able to be in the right place at the right time. You have to win that trust. You have to show that you can make the catch when the ball comes your way. And uh, Rodgers just went on and on about what he does. He says it's innate, that, uh, that, that that's what separates him from a guy you might not trust as much because you know that he's going to do it right. He's always going to be in the right spot. He knows what he's doing all the time and what the other guys are doing. And when he gets a chance to make plays, he makes plays. And he does it in a super classy, understated way. Now, I don't know why that matters, but apparently it's a factor for Aaron Rodgers. And ultimately, the quarterback decides who he's going to throw to. Chris, let me put this to you. Yeah. Was there ever a guy on the field that you either felt like, I want to throw it to him because I like how he plays – regardless of whether he's open, or a guy that would be open but you just didn't like that you shied away from throwing the ball to. Well, definitely. I mean, you know, to go on the positive one first, right? Like, I'll go with a guy like Ike Hilliard. Ike Hilliard was like our slot receiver with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He gave me a warm and cozy feeling. 
One, because I knew he was smart. He was going to read the defense the right way. And if the play broke down, I knew he could try to make the proper adjustment and, like, give me a, a you know, get out of jail for free pass where he'd find the right hole in the zone to settle down. And I just trusted that he would see things the same way I would. And for that, yes, he was always one of my go-to guys because I felt that trust within him. And I think that's what Rodgers is trying to say. You know, so many of these routes, especially by slot receivers and things in the NFL. It is read the coverage, read the defense on the go. Rodgers thinks he's breaking out. Oh gosh, he broke in. Now it's an interception pick six and you know we're losing a game. And those few plays can change a season around in a hurry as we all know. So you got to have that guy within your offense. And I would think with Randall Cobb not being there right now, I mean we know they're going to use Devontae Adams in the slot a little bit, but they probably need to find that other guy that can work the middle of the field. And I think that's where Kumaro seems to be in the conversation to be that guy that runs the option routes, the jerk routes where you read coverages on the go and Rodgers doesn't have to, you know, double clutch it or double pump it to go, oh, I hope he does the right thing. And then, you know, it, you know, becomes a, a, a downward trend of bad throw, misconnection, interception, whatever it may be. So who's the guy that you? I wasn't going to tell you that. To? Come on, <laughs> come on. Well, no, but there was certain guys where they were extremely athletic and maybe more talented than a guy like, let's say, with like Ike Hilliard, okay? But when they were certain routes, I'd go, oh, man, I mean, this guy's awesome. But there were certain routes where I'd go, oh, I don't know. I just don't trust him to read the coverage here. I'm going to play the other side here. Yeah, he's awesome if he's on the outside and he's going to run a go route or a comeback or a slant. I trust him there. But there was, yeah, some talented receivers I played with where I went, oh, they went in the slot. And now they're going to run the Ike Hilliard play from the slot. I don't know about this unless it's like just this absolute clean, you know, elementary look to where I go, okay, he will won't screw that up. Yeah, you'd be scared to do it. But no, I'm not going to give any names and getting all my ex-teammates mad at me and beat me up or anything like that. Was there ever a guy that you resisted throwing the ball to because he kept complaining that he was open and you weren't throwing him the ball? No, no, I can't say that I did. I mean, that's almost every receiver ever in the history of football. I mean, it's unreal. Whether I was in college, the NFL, receivers coming over, telling you they're open, Mike, telling you they're open. Then you get a picture, right? And you sit down to your coach and, you know, you got your quarterback coach next to you who's heard the receiver tell you he's open, right? And you're looking at it and you're going, wait, isn't that the play that, you know, Johnny just said he was open on? And the coach looks at the picture and you look at the picture and he goes, yeah, don't listen to him. He doesn't know what he's talking about. And, you know, there's four guys around him. There's, I can't tell you how many instances that happens. Receivers and what they think is open is not always open to a quarterback or realistically open in general. All right, we're going to flip it over to the defensive side of the ball. The Oakland Raiders will be the Hard Knocks team this year. And one of the potential storylines, the future of safety, Carl Joseph. The Raiders did not pick up the fifth-year option for the former first-round pick from West Virginia. He's been a disappointment more often than not. Injuries have been a major factor. Now the Raiders saying all the right things via Paul Gunther, the team's defensive coordinator, that Joseph has responded well. They're happy with where he is. How much of this is the John Gruden psychological warfare where you're pushing a guy's buttons to try to get him to live up to his potential by not picking up the option, by suggesting that, you know, who knows what kind of a future the guy has or maybe doesn't have with the Oakland Raiders. Yeah, well, I, I, to me, from the outside, it looks like like right now Gruden's trying to build the guy up a little bit, right? Uh, that That's, you know, they didn't give him that fifth-year option. Yes, he's he's you know, underperformed for being a top 20 pick coming out of West Virginia. A guy I certainly like coming out, so I'd have been wrong on him to this point too, okay? 
But, yeah, they don't offer him the fifth-year option. And I think a lot of players, when they see that and they're a first-round pick, you know, that's the first time in their NFL career they're going, man, nobody wants me. They don't want me. The team that loved me and picked me first, and now they're kind of wavering. And Gruden was very quick to come out and go, hey, this just because we didn't give him the fifth-year option doesn't mean we don't really, you know, have faith in Carl Joseph and think he can be something. He's just going to have to prove it to get that type of money. But I think they see the talent there. He's just a guy that's got to put it all together. And maybe now with a guy like LaMarcus Joyner being around, and now you got a, you know, the Jonathan Abrams kid first-round pick out of Mississippi State, uh, it's certainly going to make that defense better and maybe be able to get him a more defined role in the defense to where, yeah, there was games where, you know, when I would watch the Raiders and go, man, there's Carl Joseph playing strong safety at 185 pounds. That ain't good. That's not going to work. You know, so now maybe they can find a role for him on the defense that fits his skill set a little bit better to make it make it all work yeah it'll be interesting to see how it plays out I mean look they saw a lot of talent in him but that was a different regime Reggie McKenzie is gone and we've seen first round picks that were brought in by Reggie McKenzie systematically eliminated from that team from Khalil Mack to uh, Amari Cooper and now who knows Carl Joseph could be the next but it looks like at least he's going to have a chance one guy who got a chance last year and made the most of it Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson and Chris we were talking about this earlier off air the mixed signals we're getting from the Ravens about praise for Jackson and his development as a passer, but still some concern about what he needs to do to improve. He himself has acknowledged recently he he wasn't mastering the play calls the way he needed to, and I think they're simplifying that for him. But but how good do we expect him to be? He He kind of exceeded expectations last year from a running standpoint, but not really from a throwing standpoint. And he could do both very well when he was at Louisville. Yes, he could. Can he become that polished passer, right, Mike? That's, I think, what we both want to see from the guy. You know, we know he can run. We know he understands how to play the position and all that. But can he be, like, surgical within the pocket like Drew Brees is? And I'm not saying he has to be like Drew Brees, but he's got to have moments of that where you go, okay, yeah, we're not going to be able to run today. We're not going to be able to trick him into a run game. We're going to have to drop back, and you're going to have to – you know, sit in the pocket 30 times and make 20 good decisions and throw 20 accurate footballs to go 20 for 30 and throw for 280 yards and two touchdowns and no interceptions. That's what I got to see from Lamar Jackson. And we saw no semblance of that last year. So I got to see it to believe it. But you're right. The offseason seemed cryptic to me. I know I said a few weeks ago I had heard from people in Baltimore that the offseason didn't get off to a great start as far as OTAs, practices from him, right? He, He didn't know they were changing the offense around that was certainly an odd comment you know now we hear about okay fumbling the language around but I also felt like we heard like a little bit of a Ravens propaganda at the end where the coaches were trying to put a positive spin on Lamar Jackson and how he well he's improved and we still need to get better and then he makes a comment Lamar Jackson like he might go see Tom House so to me if you were really kicking butt you wouldn't be going, oh, I need to go see Tom House now for the first time ever in between OTAs and training camp. So I am definitely concerned and intrigued by this whole thing. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out because I think there's a ceiling there for Lamar Jackson that is every bit as good as he was in college. The question is, can he get there? And and sometimes you just can't. But uh, this is going to be the year where we're either going to see significant improvement from him or it's going to be more of what we saw last year, and it becomes too predictable. It becomes too easy to defend. We saw what happened with the Chargers the second time through. It's like the second time through the lineup with a pitcher. You know what's coming, and it's easier to defend it, and there's going to be a lot of teams out there. If they don't change things up 
and and continue to innovate and yeah. continue to develop Lamar Jackson, they're going to have a hard time moving the ball. No question. Uh, it's just it's too hard to play that one-dimensional style of football in the NFL. And like you said, with teams being able to study it a little more, you know, and uh, the proof was in the pudding. I mean, the NFL defensive players, they're just too smart and too good to be fooled by some of the same tricks week in and week out with the read option and some of the run games. And we saw Melvin Ingram and Joey Bosa and company. They were all over some of the stuff because why? Yeah, they saw it the first time around. Oh, I, I know what that is. Oh, I, saw, I, I remember seeing his action with that. And oh, the guard blocked down. That's this run's coming. So yeah, you become better at reading those type of plays altogether as a defense. And they're certainly going to be need to be more versatile and especially more consistent in the pass game in 2019. All that talk about the Browns taking over the division, the Steelers and their dysfunction, the Ravens kind of an afterthought, even though they are the defending division champions. And whether they can repeat is going to depend largely on what Lamar Jackson can do in year two. That's it for us today. Another PFT Live tomorrow, another PFT OT. Chris, great stuff as always. Everybody enjoy your day. Check us out all day at profootballtalk.com. When's the next Unbuttoned? We're going today. It'll be out this afternoon. Going to tape uh, uh, Unbuttoned, do more quarterback rankings here around 12 o'clock. It should be out by later this afternoon. Phil today? Phil will be on too. I got to remind his, you know, big butt that he's got to come on here. He's, you know, he's, he's like a diva. I got to give him a daily schedule reminder, but he should be on today. Yes. Well, give Phil our best, Chris, and we'll see you tomorrow. Everybody have a great day. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.